Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, August 17th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's COVID-19 press briefing includes comments from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at LA Public Health. Also, when you have a minute, leave a review of the podcast in your podcast app. We appreciate your input, and your review helps us know how we're doing. And now, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. And I want to begin by just thanking everybody, residents, businesses, who have been doing their part to slow the spread of COVID-19. We do continue to be cautiously optimistic that all of the sacrifices and the hard work that we've seen across our county is working and that we're, in fact, back to slowing the spread. I do want to share with you some of the data that gives us a reason for this cautious optimism. And I'm going to start uh, with some slides that demonstrate some of the decreases and the stabilizing of what I call our key indicators. So if we can see the first slide. Uh, This graph shows the three-day average of the daily number of people who are hospitalized for COVID-19 over the last month, and we're looking at from July 17th to August 14th. And it shows that in the last month, the daily hospitalizations have decreased steadily, and it's actually by 37 percent, from 2,219 cases per day in the hospital uh, in mid-July to 1,388 cases uh, in mid-August. The decreasing number of daily hospitalizations is one of our best indicators that our efforts over the few, uh, last few weeks are actually working, um, as it's an accurate representation of how many people are currently seriously ill from the virus, and we also haven't had any data problems uh, with the source of information around daily hospitalizations. And I'll take the next slide. Uh, this slide is showing us the daily new cases of COVID-19 over the last month, again, the same time period, the middle of July till the middle of August. Um, And we know that these numbers are not, unlike hospitalization data, entirely accurate because we're still missing a few cases from the backlog uh, with the state's electronic lab reporting. Um, But nonetheless, the trend is steadily now uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, In mid-July, the average reported new cases per day was around 3,200. And in mid-August, the average number of daily new cases is a little over 2,000 per day. Take the next slide. Uh, An even more telling indicator around community spread is a seven-day average of positive COVID-19 test results. And this graph shows us the seven-day average of the daily percent of COVID-19 tests with a positive result. In late July, you can see we experienced about a 10% positivity rate But in mid-August, this rate has decreased to about 6%. Now, again, the positivity rate and the case rate will be affected by the backlog cases from the state lab lab reporting. Uh, But we anticipate at this point, um, because they're spread over many days, that this steady decrease will hold. We'll take the next slide. Uh, Every death um, of a member of our community, as you know, is, is a horrible tragedy. And we've lost more than 5,000 beloved community members since the beginning of the pandemic. Adults of all ages, including almost 400 people under the age of 50, and from all across the many neighborhoods in L.A. County, 
are among those who have tragically passed away. In late July, our average daily reported deaths was 43. And as you could see on this slide, in mid-August, we're seeing an average of around 30 reported deaths per day. These are all promising developments that represent the hard work and the difficult choices that are being made by residents and businesses every single day. We know from the past that when we worked together, we slowed the spread. And it seems that we've done just that again. I hope this data reminds all of us of the power our actions have in preventing serious illness and saving lives. And again, I want to just say how grateful I am for everyone who's doing their part to make sure that we slow the spread of COVID-19. We do still have a ways to go to reduce community transmission enough to be able to have confidence that the timing would be right to reopen our schools and get more people back to work. We don't want infections from the community coming back into our schools and creating a, an increase of outbreaks that then increases the amount of community transmission we're gonna see. The next slide, please. Uh, the state does monitor all the counties on six indicators to determine their progress in slowing the spread of COVID-19. These indicators include testing capacity, how much transmission of the virus is happening in the community, how many people are currently hospitalized for COVID-19, and the cap capacity of hospitals to care for people with COVID-19 with an adequate number of available intensive care unit beds and ventilators. The state is watching all of the counties closely on these indicators to understand our progress in controlling the transmission and also to provide us with technical assistance when we need it. But ultimately, uh, this information informs decisions the state is making about how counties can proceed with reopenings. Right now, according to our data, uh, it seems like, the, like LA County is meeting five of the state's six indicators. Our testing numbers exceed the state's threshold of needing to perform more than 150 tests per 100,000 people every day. Currently, and this is thanks to Dr. Galley and her team's great work, LA County's seven-day average indicates that there are at least 181 tests performed each day for every 100,000 residents. And the county does have capacity to test more people for COVID-19. So if you're experiencing symptoms or your provider asks that you get tested, I encourage you to go ahead and get tested. As I mentioned earlier today, we're moving in the right direction with the seven-day average testing positivity rate. And now we've met the state's threshold of having a testing positivity rate below 8%. Our current testing positivity rate is 6%. And although this number may change a bit as we update uh, our positivity rates based on the backlog of lab reports from the ELR, uh, we are again confident that the number should stay below the state's threshold of 8%. We're also meeting thresholds for both daily hospitalizations and hospital capacity. We're seeing decreases in the daily number of people who are hospitalized for COVID-19 in LA County, and we have an adequate supply of both intensive care unit beds and ventilators. 33% of our ICU beds are currently available, and 63% of ventilators across the county are currently available. Where we still are falling short is on our case rate. 
This is the number of positive cases in LA County per 100,000 people over a 14-day period. Our 14-day case rate per 100,000 people is now 295, which is significantly higher than the state's threshold of having fewer than 100 cases per 100,000 people. However, our case rate is falling. We dropped from 335 cases per 100,000 people last week to 298 cases per 100,000 residents yesterday. And I want to thank everyone for helping us get to this point. Now I'm going to switch to update you on our daily status. I am sad to report an additional 19 deaths today. Seven of the people who died are over the age of 80, and six people who passed away had underlying health conditions. Five of the people who died are between the ages of 65 and 79, and three people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Four people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64, and two people had underlying health conditions. Two of the people who died are between the ages of 30 and 49, and one person had underlying health conditions in this age group. One person who died was between the ages of 18 and 29, and this person also had underlying health conditions. This does bring the total number of deaths across our county to 5,273. And so many across our communities have experienced the loss of a loved one who passed away from COVID-19. And I know you all join me in telling folks that we're so sorry for your loss and we do think of you every single day. 92% of people who have passed away from COVID-19 did have underlying health conditions. For the 4,960 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 50% are Latinx, Latino, Latina, 24% are white, 15% are Asian, 10% are black, slightly less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. We are reporting today 1,185 new cases, uh, we have a small number of cases included here from the state's backlog, but as you know, uh, our Sunday and Monday numbers, both on deaths and cases, uh, reflect the fact that there's not a lot of reporting that happens over the weekend. This does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 223,131. These cases include a total of 9,637 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach, and 2,230 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're reporting a total of 1,348 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. Of all of our cases today, there's 1,341 confirmed cases of people who are currently hospitalized. 33% of the people are confirmed cases in the ICU and about 19% are people who are on ventilators. We have investigated a total of 1,481 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, we currently have 891 ongoing investigations and 590 closed investigations. Our residential settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, uh, treatment centers, supportive living, and correctional facilities. Our non-residential settings include workplaces, 
food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases now in our institutional settings is 30,129. 15,606 of the confirmed cases are among residents, and 14,523 are among staff. We're sad to report that we've had a slight increase in the number of residents who have died from COVID-19. The number is now 2,423. 2,194 of the people who died in institutional settings did reside in our skilled nursing facilities. Of the 19 newly reported deaths today, seven were people who were residing in our skilled nursing facilities. Our hearts go out to everyone who's grieving a loved one who passed away uh, in an institutional setting. Uh, you're in our thoughts and, of course, in our prayers. We are reporting 3,502 confirmed cases at some point in the jails. 3,115 are among people who are incarcerated, and 387 are among staff. The Sheriff's Office is reporting today for their facilities 28 people who are incarcerated who are positive, 57 people who are incarcerated and are in isolation, and 957 people who are incarcerated that are quarantined. There are 199 cases in the state prison, 139 are among people who are incarcerated, and 60 are among staff. And there are 758 cases in the federal prison facilities. 742 are among people who are incarcerated, and 16 are among staff. And there's 137 cases in the juvenile facilities. 58 are among youth, and 79 are among staff. Over 2 million people have been tested and had results reported in L.A. County, and 10% of the people who were tested were positive. I wanted to also update everyone uh, on uh, contact tracing and our program and all of the um, changes we've made to our program to really encourage people to be able to fully participate. And remember, we do our contact tracing for people who have either tested positive or our close contacts of people who have tested positive. As you know, contact tracing is one of the tools that we're using in our efforts to slow the spread of COVID-19. And we've been doing contact tracing uh, since the first cases arrived in the early spring. And we continue to do contact tracing, even though the number of cases we see every day have increased over the summer. Uh, since we started doing our contact tracing, We've issued more than, uh, more than 230,000 isolation and quarantine orders to people who were affected, infected by the virus or people who were exposed to the virus. Uh, of those, we've issued 177,959 orders for people to isolate, and we've issued 51,418 orders for people to quarantine. These are close contacts of infected people. Everybody who we've spoken to and issued an order has also received support uh, from the county so that they would be able to successfully isolate and or quarantine. This next graph uh, shows the percent of people who tested positive for COVID-19 and completed an interview with a contact tracer. And as you can see, our, our numbers is going up. And we'll take the next slide. Um, since the beginning of August, oh, well, we've completed interviews, our completion rate for interviews increased about 20%, from 63% of cases completing the interview 
uh, to, as of this weekend, 75%. This graph shows us the percent of people who were a close contact of a person testing positive who's completed an interview with a contact tracer. Since the beginning of August, we've also seen that this number has fluctuated between 51% and 71%. Um, but in all, both cases, with our cases and our contacts, uh, we have seen that the volume of completed interviews has been increasing. The next slide, please. Uh, both of the graphs, graphs that we showed uh, a minute ago uh, show that uh, some of the changes we've made, our outreach efforts along with our incentive program, may be helping residents uh, feel more comfortable participating in our contact tracing efforts. And as you can see from this slide, uh, at the place where the arrow is, that's where we introduced our incentive program. And we've seen increases in the percent of interviewed cases that provided us with information on their contacts from around 35% uh, before we had the incentive program and the additional outreach to almost 60% of uh, cases uh, completing the interview by providing us with contact information on, on August 12th. And I do want to thank everyone for spreading the word that our contact tracers are here to help anyone with a positive test result and their close contacts. If you have had a positive test result for COVID-19 in the last 10 days, and you haven't yet spoken to a DPH contact tracer, we have a toll-free number that we ask that you call. It's 1-833-540-0473. And staff will be available to help you seven days a week from 8 in the morning till 8.30 at night. Finally, I want to talk a little bit about what we call higher risk activities. And this is especially about gatherings. Across the country and here in LA County, we've seen many reports of gatherings for parties, weddings, and other celebrations that have resulted in participants unknowingly infecting other attendees. These gatherings, especially when they're indoors, have enormous potential for infecting many people. We know that a person can be positive for COVID-19 and able to transmit the virus to others without ever, ever having any symptoms or even being aware that they're infected. If this person attends a gathering, especially indoors, where they're socializing, eating, drinking, potentially not wearing a face covering or distancing, they can easily infect many other people who are at the gathering doing the same. And we have many examples here in our county and across the country of gatherings, parties, and services that did result in outbreaks of COVID-19. We've seen outbreaks from gatherings on college campuses, fraternity and sorority houses, restaurants, from our protests, churches, and at people's homes all across the country. And some of these gatherings have resulted in tragic loss of life uh, and in serious illness. We do all want to be with others, and this is natural to want that personal, intimate connection. But some of these are what we consider non-essential activities, and they carry with them a lot of unnecessary risk that often results in the spread of a virus from social gatherings, from a social gathering to a family member at your home, and then to the many workplaces where exposed people are going each day. 
Please, we ask that you remember what's at stake if you're thinking about organizing or attending a gathering. What feels like a harmless social gathering could result in many people infecting others and some people becoming sick. At this point in our recovery journey, it's simply not worth the risk of, that you're taking for yourself, for your friends, and for our families. For organizations and religious institutions, we're here to help you find ways uh, to do as many of your activities outdoors as possible. And this is the safest way, particularly for our religious organizations, uh, for your congregations and your parishioners. You may have heard that there are some legal issues that were involving a Sun Valley church that was not complying with the health officer orders. And I'm not going to comment on the specifics of that lawsuit. I do want to note that holding indoor worship services can create dangerous conditions that make it easier to transmit the virus. We do continue to extend our hand to every single faith-based organization and to do our utmost to help you and your congregants find acceptable ways of worshiping safely outdoors. Many houses of worship we know are already doing this, and we thank you for all your efforts. It's a wonderful show of fellowship and concern for our community. The only objective in our health officer orders is to protect the health of every resident. Our team is prepared and we're willing to offer guidance to all of the institutions in LA County, including our houses of worship, to help make sure that they're part of the effort to keep residents, employees, and visitors safe. And in closing, I do wanna thank everyone across the LA community for using the tools that we have right now to slow the spread of COVID-19. And as a reminder, wearing that cloth face covering over your nose and mouth, avoiding gatherings, keeping physical distance from others when you're out of your home, and frequently washing your hands are the activities and actions that we know help slow the spread. But we have to continue doing them and we have to continue to be diligent. This is not a time to let down our guard. The data suggests we're headed in the right direction in reducing transmission of the virus. And this is a testament to all of the residents and businesses who understand and take to heart their role in getting us to the other side of the pandemic with fewer cases, illnesses, and deaths. And now we'll take your questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press one then zero on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press one then zero at this time. And the host requests that you ask one or two questions, please. First, we turn to line of Claudia Piscuta with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, if you can provide any uh, details about the LA Unified testing plan, uh, I'd appreciate it. Also, um, if you can update us on how the, the clearing of the backlog is going and um, when the, the numbers from those two weeks that were affected, when they're going to be updated, like how are you going to do that and um, update the positivity rate and all that. And I'm also wondering if, if people are using cooling centers, um, you know, given concerns about COVID and if you've had any heat-related deaths reported. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank, thanks, Claudia. Um, so let me just start uh, with the, um, I know that LA Unified uh, released this morning information on a plan that they're pulling together with many collaborative partners um, from all across the country uh, to be able to roll out uh, both a pilot testing program and then uh, once schools reopen uh, for LAUSD, a, a more expansive testing program. I do want to note that uh, it would be best to talk to LA Unified about the details of their plan. We're always uh, happy to work with all of our superintendents and all of the school districts uh, on their plans for, for when we are going to be reopening, but I, I would leave the details on their testing plan uh, for the two superintendent to address. Um, an update uh, on our backlog. Um, yes, we're working closely with the state. Uh, we think we've probably updated uh, over uh, the course, as you noted, uh, of the last week and a half, uh, probably close to 1,500, 1,600 cases. Uh, we still think we're missing cases. Uh, we're working uh, really closely with the state, uh, particularly with a couple of the larger labs to see if we can backtrack and figure out uh, how many lab results uh, for, for LA County have not been reported to us yet. Uh, I don't have the timeline on that. I can just say that the state is working really hard with us to make sure that we have those numbers. And once we do have all those cases, uh, we will go back and update the case numbers um, you know, going back in time. Obviously, that will affect the rolling averages that we uh, you know, talk about for both our cases and our testing positivity rate. Um, the cooling centers, I do want to note that the cooling centers have protocols for operating uh, during uh, this extended heat wave uh, with all of the safety precautions possible, both on distancing and on infection control. I thank all of the, um, the agencies that have stepped up and opened their doors, adhered to the protocols that are there to make sure that as people go to them, uh, they're going to a place with as many safety uh, precautions being taken as possible. And I do want to urge people because it is, we still have uh, at least three or four more days of excessive heat to feel comfortable using those cooling centers. Uh, there's a lot of distancing requirements there. Please, you'll have to wear your face covering. Uh, but they are set up uh, to be as safe as possible and also to make sure uh, that people are protected from the excessive heat. I don't have any information yet on, on heat-related deaths, uh, but obviously uh, we, we're tracking uh, the numbers and uh, we'll be able to issue a report after the heat wave, uh, hopefully within a couple of days. Um, but now I'll take uh, the next question. Uh, next we turn to the line of Patrick Healy with NBC4. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Hello, doctor. Hi. Um, I'm curious, I was looking through your locations data on your website, and maybe I'm not reading it correctly. Are there any cases, any outbreaks reported in child care settings? Um, and if I can ask a question again, you explained it last week, but I, I didn't get it entirely. How is that 14-day case rate computed? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much uh, for both those questions, Patrick. Uh, we have had some outbreaks in child care centers. Uh, we haven't had a lot. I want to thank our child care community. Uh, they've had, since the beginning, a, a set of uh, protocols, and uh, they've adhered to them, and I think that's really helped uh, reduce the rates of infections. And just as a reminder, uh, we're only going to capture 
uh, outbreaks at childcare settings on our list, which is what I'm assuming you're, you're looking at, Patrick, um, if in fact there have been three or more cases over a 14-day period, and in fact uh, we've been notified uh, that there is an epi link uh, for those cases. There are some instances where folks may report to us that there are some cases, and this isn't just at childcare centers, this could be anywhere. When our team goes in and does the interviews, uh, they realize that the cases aren't linked at all to being at the child care center, in which case uh, you may, it may look like we have a cluster of cases, but there's actually not an outbreak because we've identified other sources of transmission. Um, in, in terms of the 14-day case rate, um, it's a, a rolling average of uh, the case rate over 14 days. Um, I'm happy to have our data team, Patrick, just send you a written explanation of how that's computed, because I think that will be easier uh, than trying to talk through it without some numbers in front of us. But we can follow up with you today and just give you the written explanation with some numbers so you could see how that computation is happening. Would that be helpful? I guess, I, I don't know if I could talk to you again, but that's what we'll do, Patrick. So, uh, and I'll take the next question. And next we turn to the line of Jackie Fortier with KPCC Public Radio. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, doctor. Um, I, I'd like to ask a little bit more about the LA Unified separate testing and contact tracing. Um, how was the health department uh, involved in the plan? And will you now you know, coordinate these programs, especially with contact tracing already going on? And why do you think LAUSD thought they needed to take this step? Thank you. Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so, you know, let me, let me just start with the contact tracing. I mean, all contact tracing uh, throughout the entire county has to be done uh, by the Department of Public Health. People cannot actually set up separate systems for contact tracing. I mean, there's, first of all, this is all HIPAA-protected information. Second of all, the contact tracing, um, even, even uh, in situations where there's minimal uh, exposures, uh, oftentimes involves our team needing to look uh, sort of outside the school. In other words, uh, what the school is not a bubble. No school's a bubble. People who work there and people who attend those schools live in our communities, and they have many other contacts in the community. Um, so the contact tracing efforts need to uh, be led by the Department of Public Health, and I know that uh, the superintendent and his team are well aware of that, but we do appreciate uh, all kinds of efforts to help us. And as a matter of fact, we've already posted uh, on our website um, a whole set of directives around outbreak management in schools so that those partnerships that we need with school buildings and uh, principals and staff at schools are, are well understood uh, before students actually end up uh, returning to their campuses for in-classroom instruction. Um, and, and again, I, I want to applaud the superintendent and his team for reaching out uh, to so many partners to put a, in place a, a, you know, a plan that they feel works best for their community. And, you know, again, we're here to be helpful, and uh, we know that every community is slightly different. Uh, we also know that to open schools successfully, you have to have a good partnership uh, with the school administrators, uh, with the teachers and the staff with parents and with community-based organizations. I do want to note that um, sometimes people hear like there's going to be a testing program and we don't have to worry about anything. 
And I want to make sure everyone understands that that's just not possible right now. The only kind of testing program that would work would be every single person testing every single day. And we don't have that capacity or those tools on testing uh, to offer at this point in time. Testing does help identify, uh, particularly if we have an outbreak situation, it does help us identify very quickly uh, close contacts that may be positive, and it helps us move people out of the school community into isolation and quarantine. But routine testing uh, plays a very different role, and it is not a substitute. It can never be a substitute for infection control, uh, really, which is and source control and um, all the distancing. So schools will still need to go ahead and adhere to all of the directives uh, that are in place. These are universal precautions that every school must take uh, so that every day when students, teachers, and staff arrive in a building, uh, they have as much safety as possible. And with that, we'll take the next question. And next we turn to the line of Nathan Solis with Courthouse News Service. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking um, my question. Um, I'm just curious to know, since we're starting to see downward trends, um, how the county intends to not have a repeat with what happened earlier this year when it seemed like we were starting to be a model um, state and then we found ourselves in a pretty bad situation. And then um, I'm curious to know, if the county intends to do anything else with, with regards to rent relief, um, it seems like there are thousands of evictions that are just waiting to be served when that becomes um, an option again for the courts. And I'm just curious to know what's going to happen with uh, all of these renters who are going to be forced to leave their homes and maybe won't be able to find any um, suitable housing during the pandemic. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, let me just talk about um, how are we going to make sure we don't have another surge now that we're starting to bring uh, transmission rates down again. Uh, this is a new virus. I think every day uh, we're all learning something new about how we can best approach our recovery journey. Uh, we definitely have learned um, that we need to make sure that uh, nobody misreads our data now um, to actually feeling like rates are so low, uh, we can just go back to normal. I think one of the mistakes we made in the past was not being clear enough uh, that, in fact, just because we were starting to go on our recovery journey and we we're starting to reopen some sectors, I think a lot of us felt like, okay, well, we're getting back to normal, and we're just not getting back to normal right now. Uh, we are creating a new normal. Uh, it will continue to have... Uh, and request of all of us uh, the ability to make some modifications, and it will have some restrictions in place. Um, and I think we're going to continue um, to go down this road of looking at our data uh, and making sure uh, that our messaging is clear about how we can continue this recovery journey. Uh, the state has also been really helpful. Uh, as you all know, we cannot get children uh, back into our schools, even through a waiver process until community transmission rates are at or below 200 cases per 100,000. I think these benchmarks that are sensible benchmarks that say something about look at the data, see how much community transmission there is, and then make decisions about how you can do the most essential services you want to do as a community. I think here in L.A. County everyone's clear 
we want to create a low enough rate of transmission that we can start reopening our schools with as much safety as possible. And that's our goal right now. Say really focused on getting our community transmission rates way down so that we can, in fact, start uh, with the reopening through the waiver process of, uh, of, schools, uh, of schools for in-classroom education for students TK through grade six. We do have time for one more question. And our final question then comes from the line of Haley Magoya with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, um, I am aware that there are hundreds of salons across the state, including several in LA County that have plans to open up today in defiance of health orders. Um, so I just wanted to know if you have any comment on that and if you might be able to explain why um, indoor operations at salons, at salons are still um, supposed to be closed. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so I think I want to start by thanking and acknowledging uh, that many of these salons invested a lot of money, a lot of time, uh, in July, in June and July, to creating their spaces to adhere to guidance that was put out both by the state and us for being, to op for being able to operate with as much safety as possible uh, during the pandemic. And I know how frustrating it is to those very same salons to be told a few weeks later that they have to move everything outdoors. Again, I want to note uh, there's emerging evidence that suggests that transmission rates are just significantly higher in indoor settings than outdoor settings. And I ask for everyone's patience because if we knew now what we knew at the very beginning, we would have taken some very different steps all along the way. As we learn more information from the scientists and from the researchers, we do need to be able to adjust and have that flexibility to adjust so that we can in fact make sure that we're limiting the spread of this virus reducing the amount of people who are getting sick and reducing the amount of people who are dying. Uh, but I do appreciate how much heartache there is and how frustrating it must be for all of the salon operators uh, at this point in time. What I can say is this is a state order uh, for us to move all of these sectors outside. Uh, as long as we can't reduce our community transmission rates low enough um, to be able to uh, say to the state that uh, we can get off the state monitoring list uh, will be subject to this restriction. So I urge everyone, uh, let's just stay the course right now. Uh, keep closed um, indoor operations as required in the hopes that within weeks uh, we are actually getting to a place where we can get off the state's uh, monitoring list. I think that's the goal for all of us. That would mean that we have much lower rates of transmission, and because we have lower rates of transmission, there's less risk uh, when people move uh, some of these activities back inside. But now it actually uh, is not allowed uh, by the state order, and uh, we've mirrored that with the county health officer order as well. So I urge people to stay the course. Um, we all have to do what's right right now to try to reduce the rates across the board uh, and the hope would be in a few weeks uh, we get back and we can revisit this uh, with the state uh, and our status on the, the monitoring list. Um, so thank you very much. We'll now turn to remarks in Spanish from Jackie Valenzuela. Buenas tardes. Queremos comenzar agradeciendo a todos residentes y negocios que están que han estado haciendo su parte para frenar la propagación de COVID-19. 
seguimos siendo cautelosamente optimistas de que todo el sacrificio y el arduo trabajo que hemos visto en nuestro condado está funcionando y que de hecho estamos volviendo a frenar la propagación de este virus. Queremos compartir con ustedes los datos que nos afirman de este cauteloso optimismo. Nos gustaría mostrarles algunos gráficos que nos demuestran las disminuciones y la estabilización de algunos de nuestros indicadores claves. First slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de tres días de la cantidad diaria de personas hospitalizadas por COVID-19 durante el último mes del 17 de julio al 14 de agosto. De mismo modo, demuestra que en el último mes las hospitalizaciones han disminuido en un 37% de 2,219 a mediados de julio a 1,388 a mediados de agosto. La disminución del número de hospitalizaciones uh, diarias es una de las mejores señales de que nuestros esfuerzos durante las últimas semanas están funcionando, ya que es una representación precisa de cuántas personas están actualmente gravemente enfermas por el virus. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra nuestros nuevos casos diarios de COVID-19 durante el último mes. Sabemos que estos números no son una descripción del, de, de todo precisa del número diario de casos nuevos debido a problemas con los sistemas de datos del estado y otras demoras en los informes. Sin embargo, observar la tendencia durante un mes uh, demuestra en general una disminución significativa. A mediados de julio, el promedio de casos nuevos reportados por día era de alrededor de 3,200 y a mediados de agosto, el número, número promedio de casos nuevos um, diarios era un poco más de 2,000 por día. Next slide. Quizás un indicador aún más revelador es el promedio de siete días de resultados positivos de la prueba de COVID-19. En este gráfico observamos el promedio de siete días del porcentaje diario de pruebas de COVID-19 con un resultado positivo. A finales de julio experimentamos una tasa de positividad del 10%. A mediados de agosto la tasa disminuyó a alrededor del 6%. Next slide. Cada fallecimiento de un miembro de nuestra comunidad es una tragedia y hemos perdido a más de 5,000 miembros hasta la fecha desde el comienzo de la pandemia. Los adultos de todas las edades, incluidas casi 400 personas menores de 50 años y de todos los vecindarios del Condado de Los Ángeles, se encuentran entre los fallecidos. A fines de julio, nuestro promedio diario de fallecimientos reportados era de 43. Ahora, a mediados de agosto, estamos viendo un promedio de alrededor de 30 fallecimientos al día. Todos estos son avances prometedores que representan el arduo trabajo y las difíciles decisiones que toman los residentes y las empresas todos los días. Sin embargo, sabemos por lo por los meses anteriores que cuando trabajamos juntos eh, desaceleramos la propagación y parece que lo hemos hecho nuevamente. 
Esperamos que estos datos nos recuerden a todos el poder que tienen nuestras acciones para prevenir enfermedades grave, graves y salvar vidas. Y nuevamente volvemos a reiterar que estamos muy agradecidos con todos a los que están haciendo su parte para frenar la propagación. Todavía tenemos un camino por recorrer eh, para reducir la transmisión comunitaria lo suficiente como para poder reabrir nuestras escuelas y hacer que más personas vuelvan a trabajar. Next slide. El estado está viendo de cerca seis indicadores para todos los condados uh, para determinar su progreso en la desaceleres, perdón, en, en frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Estos indicadores incluyen la capacidad de prueba, cuánta transmisión del virus está ocurriendo en una comunidad, cuántas personas están actualmente hospitalizadas por COVID-19 y la capacidad de los hospitales para atender a las personas con COVID-19 con un número adecuado de unidades de cuidados intensivos disponibles, camas y ventiladores. El estado es, está observando de cerca a todos los condados en estos indicadores para comprender su progreso en el control de la transmisión, brindar asistencia técnica a los condados que la necesitan y en última instancia, tomar decisiones sobre cómo los condados pueden proceder con las reaperturas. En este momento, el condado de Los Ángeles está cumpliendo con cinco de los seis indicadores del estado. Nuestras cifras de pruebas superan la cifra estatal uh, de que debemos realizar más de 150 pruebas por cada 100,000 personas cada día. Actualmente, el promedio de siete días del condado de Los Ángeles indica que se realizan 181 pruebas por día por cada 100,000 residentes. El condado tiene capacidad para realizar pruebas um, de COVID-19 a más personas, así que si tiene síntomas, los animamos a que se hagan la prueba. Como mencionamos anteriormente, Uh, hoy estamos moviéndonos en la dirección correcta con el promedio de la tasa de positividad de pruebas de siete días y ahora hemos alcanzado la cifra estatal uh, de una tasa de positividad de prueba por debajo del 8%. Nuestra tasa actual de positividad en las pruebas es del 6%, aunque este número puede cambiar un poco a medida que seguimos recibiendo informes de laboratorio atrasados por la acumulación de datos del estado. También estamos alcanzando las cifras tanto de hospitalizaciones diarias como de capacidad hospitalaria. hospitalaria. Estamos viendo una disminución en la cantidad diaria de personas hospitalizadas por COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles y tenemos un suministro adecuado uh, tanto de camas disponibles en unidades de cuidados intensivos como de ventiladores. El 33% de nuestras camas en unidades de cuidados intensivos están disponibles actualmente y el 63% de los ventiladores uh, están disponibles actualmente. Donde todavía nos estamos quedando cortos es en nuestra tasa de casos. Este es el número de casos positivos en el condado de Los Ángeles por cada 100,000 personas durante un periodo de, de 14 días. 
Nuestra tasa de casos de 14 días por cada 100,000 personas es 295, que es significativamente más alta que la cifra uh, que requiere el estado, cual es menos de 100 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Sin embargo, nuestra tasa de casos está disminuyendo. Bajamos de 335 casos por cada 100,000 habitantes la semana pasada a 298 casos por cada 100,000 personas um, ayer. Para actualizarnos, eh, nos da tristeza informar 19 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 5,273 en el condado de Los Ángeles. El 92% de las personas que han muerto a causa de COVID-19 tenían problemas delicados de salud. De las 4,960 personas que han fallecido donde se identificó la raza etnicidad, el 50% son latinos, el 24% son blancos, el 15% son asiáticos, el 10% son afroamericanos, Menos de un por ciento son nativos de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y el un por ciento son de otra raza de etnicidad. Estamos reportando 1,185 casos nuevos hoy. Seguimos recibiendo una pequeña cantidad de casos a causa del atraso del estado. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 223,131. Estamos reportando 1,348 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Entre estos casos, 404 fueron remitidos a sitios de aislamiento y cuarentena uh, para ser aislados adecuadamente. Actualmente se encuentran hospitalizados 1,341 casos confirmados. 33% de estas personas son casos confirmados. Actualmente se encuentran hospitalizados 1,914 casos confirmados uh, y sospechosos y el 19% están en ventiladores. Hemos investigado un total de 1,481 entornos congregados residenciales y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. Y el total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 30,129, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 15,606 de estos casos confirmados son residentes y 14,523 son empleados. Nos da tristeza informar que 2,423 residentes en entornos institucionales han fallecido por COVID-19. 2,194 perdón, 2,194 de estas personas residían en centros de enfermería especializada. De los 19 fallecimientos reportados hoy, 37% fueron fallecimientos asociados con centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos reportando 3,502 casos confirmados en algún momento en instalaciones carcelarias. 3,115 entre personas que están encarceladas y 387 empleados. La oficina del Aguacil reporta para sus instalaciones que 28 personas encarceladas han dado positivo por COVID-19. 57 personas encarceladas están aisladas y 957 están en cuarentena. 
Hay 199 casos en la prisión estatal y 758 casos en las prisiones federales. Hay 137 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. Uh, más de 2 millones de personas uh, se han hecho la prueba de COVID-19 y se han informado resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. El 10% de estas pruebas dieron resultados positivos. Hoy también nos gustaría informarles sobre el rastreo de contactos y nuestro programa para brindar incentivos a las personas, ya sean personas que dieron positivo a la prueba o sus contactos cercanos que, que completan la entrevista de rastreo de contactos. Como saben, el rastreo de contactos es una de las herramientas que estamos utilizando en nuestros esfuerzos por frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Nos hemos dedicado al rastreo de contactos desde que vimos los primeros casos en la primavera y seguimos haciendo el rastreo de contactos, incluso cuando el número de casos ha aumentado durante el verano. Desde entonces, hemos emitido órdenes de aislamiento y cuarentena a casi 230 mil personas infectadas o expuestas al virus. De ellos, eh, 177,959 fueron órdenes de aislamiento para personas infectadas y 51,418 fueron órdenes de cuarentena para contactos cercanos de personas infectadas. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el porcentaje de personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19 y que completaron una entrevista con un rastreador de contactos. Desde principios de agosto, las entrevistas completadas han aumentado un 20%. De 63% de los casos que completaron la entrevista a partir de este fin de semana al 75%. Este gráfico muestra el porcentaje de personas que estuvieron en contacto cercano con una persona que dio positivo y que completaron una entrevista con un rastreador de contactos. Desde principios de agosto, hemos visto este número variar del 51% al 71% y hemos tenido éxito en llegar a ambos casos y sus contactos a pesar de que la cantidad de casos ha aumentado. Next slide. Ambos gráficos muestran nuestros esfuerzos de alcance comunitario junto con nuestro programa de incentivos. Eh, pueden ayudar a los residentes a sentirse más cómodos participando en los esfuerzos de rastreo de contactos. Como pueden ver en este gráfico, desde que presentamos nuestro programa de incentivos, hemos visto un aumento en el porcentaje de casos entrevistados que proporcionan uno o más contactos de alrededor del 35% antes del programa a casi el 60% um, el 12 de agosto. Agradecemos a todos por hacer correr la voz de que nuestros rastreadores de contactos están aquí para ayudar a cualquier persona con un resultado positivo en la prueba y a sus contactos cercanos. Si ha tenido una prueba de laboratorio positiva para COVID-19 en los últimos 10 días y aún no ha hablado con un rastreador de contactos del Departamento de Salud Pública, llame al 1-833-540-0473. 
El personal está disponible para ayudar los siete días de la semana desde las ocho de la mañana a las ocho y media en la noche. Finalmente, nos gustaría hablar un poco sobre las actividades de alto riesgo, especialmente las reuniones. En todo el país y aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles, hemos visto muchos informes de reuniones, de fiestas, bodas y otras celebraciones que han provocado que un participante infecte a otras personas sin saberlo. Estas reuniones, especialmente cuando se realizan en interiores, tienen un potencial enorme para infectar a muchas personas. Sabemos que una persona puede ser positiva por COVID-19 y ser capaz de transmitir el virus a otras personas sin tener síntomas o sin saber que están infectadas. Si esta persona asiste a una reunión, especialmente en espacios interiores donde está socializando, comiendo, bebiendo y posiblemente sin cubrirse la cara o distanciarse, puede infectar fácilmente a muchas otras personas que están haciendo lo mismo. Hay muchos ejemplos aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles y en todo el país donde reuniones, fiestas y servicios uh, resultaron en un brote de COVID-19. Hemos visto brotes de reuniones en instalaciones universitarias, restaurantes, protestas, iglesias y hogares de personas en todo el país con resultados trágicos, incluidas personas que sufren enfermedades graves y lamentablemente fallecen. Todos queremos estar con nuestras amistades y seres queridos. Es natural querer esa conexión. Pero estas actividades no esenciales conllevan muchos riesgos innecesarios que a menudo resultan en la propagación del virus uh, de las reuniones eh, sociales a los miembros de la familia en su hogar y a los muchos lugares de trabajo donde las personas expuestas van todos los días. Recuerde lo que está en juego si está pensando en organizar o asistir a una reunión. Lo que se siente como una reunión social inofensiva podría provocar que muchas personas infecten a otras y que algunas personas se enfermen. En este punto de nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación, simplemente no vale la pena arriesgar nuestra salud, la de nuestros amigos y nuestra familia. Para, para organizaciones e instituciones religiosas, religiosas. Estamos aquí para ayudarlos a encontrar formas de realizar servicios al aire libre que sean lo más seguros posibles para sus congregaciones. Es posible que haya escuchado sobre algunos de los problemas legales que involucran una iglesia de Sun Valley que no ha estado cumpliendo con las órdenes del oficial de salud. No podemos comentar sobre los detalles de la demanda. Sin embargo, realizar servicios de adoración en interiores puede crear condiciones peligrosas para la transmisión del virus. Continuamos extendiendo nuestro apoyo a todas las organizaciones religiosas y haciendo todo lo posible para ayudarlas a encontrar formas de adorar de manera segura al aire, al aire libre. Muchos lugares de adoración ya están haciendo esto y les agradecemos todos sus esfuerzos. Es una maravillosa muestra de compañerismo y preocupación por nuestra comunidad. El único objetivo de nuestras órdenes de salud es proteger la salud de todos nuestros residentes. 
Nuestro equipo está preparado y dispuesto a ofrecer orientación a todas las instituciones del Condado de Los Ángeles, incluidas las organizaciones religiosas, para ayudarles a mantener seguros a los residentes, empleados y visitantes. Por último, nuevamente queremos agradecerles a todos en la comunidad del Condado de Los Ángeles que están utilizando las herramientas que tenemos para frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Usar una cubierta de tela para la cara que cubra la nariz, la boca y evitar las reuniones, mantener la distancia física cuando estamos fuera de nuestras casas y lavarse las manos con frecuencia son actividades que han demostrado ayudar a frenar la propagación, pero todos debemos realizarlas y ser diligentes. Los datos sugieren que vamos en la dirección correcta para reducir la transmisión del virus. Y esto es un testimonio de que todos los residentes y negocios comprenden y toman en serio su papel para llevarnos al otro lado de esta pandemia con menos casos, enfermedades y fallecimientos. And now we'll go on to remarks in Armenian by Nona Oganisian. Barrior Bolorin. Yes, us mash Nora Kalutun Haitnel, Bolorin, Benakichnerin, Yev Business Nerin, of Kerirens Jankernen Octagorzum, Covid Tasnini Tarazuma Dandaretsnelu Hamar. Menk Sharnakumens Gushoren, Lava Teslinel, Yev Menkirakanum, Veradarnumenk, Virusi Taratsman Dandaretsmane. Ես ուզում եմ ձեզ հետ կեսել այն տվյալները, որոնք մեզ հիմք են տալիս այս լավատեսության համար։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 19-ը մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 7-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր են, որոնցից 6-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 5-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն եւ 3-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Չորս անձի տարիքը 50-ից 64-ն է եւ երկուսը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Մեկ անձը 18 տարեկանից 29-ն է եւ ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Երկուսը 30 տարեկանից 49-ն են, որոնցից մեկը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 5273-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Ethnic Patkanelutsuna Hetevialne. Hitsun Tokos Latinx, Sanchos Tokos Spitak, Tasnehink Tokos Asiakan, Tas Tokos Afroamericaciner, Mek Tokos Havayan, Yev Mek Tokos Mekal Rasa Ethnic Hump. Covid Tasninov Mahatsats Anzans Inasun Yerku Tokos, Unetselen Urakso, Arochakan Hantisner, Inche Karevurume Ainanzans, Ofker Arochakan Hantisnerunen, Menaltana Yev Naravorinas Husapel Sert Kaperitz. Aisur Menk Haitnumenk, Hazar Harur Utsun Hing, Nordep Keri Masin, Yev Saberume Los Angeles Jani Drakan Deb Keri and Tanur Tiva, Yerku Harur Xangerek Hazar Harur Yerasun Meki. Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 9637 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2230 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1348 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 404 անձիկ Pashach Kerpov Mekusatsvatsen, Yev Sert Kapere Karantinatsvats. 
ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 1341 մարդ, որոնցից 33 տոկոսը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժամունքում, իսկ 19 տոկոսը միացված են շնչարական օթապոխիչների։ Ներկայումս կնություններ են կատարվում 1481 ինստիտությոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, ուժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններում։ Ինստիտությոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր տեպքերը 30,129 են ներայրյալ անձնակազմը և բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 15,606-ը բնակիչներ են և 14,523-ը անձնակազմ։ 199-ը դեպքեր նահանգային բանտերում, 139-ը բանտարկյալ և 60 աշխատակազմ, մենք զեկուցում ենք հաստատված 3500 դեպքեր կրիա կատարողական հիմնարկներում, 3115 դատապարծալ և 387 աշխատող։ 758 դեպք վեդերալ բանտերում, 742 բանտարկյալ և 16 աշխատակազմ, 137 դեպք անչապահասների հաստատություններում, Եվ լոս անջելով շրջանի արձանագրված բոլոր նոր տեպքերի զեկույցը կարող եք տեսնել առողջապահության վարջության կայքում publichealth.lacounty.gov։ Ավելի կան երկու միլոն մարդ տստավորվել են և արդյունքները զեկուցվել Մեր ծրագիրը խրախուսանքներ տրամադրելով մարդկանց, ովքեր դրական են փորձարգվել կամ նրանց սերտ կապերը, ովքեր ավարտում են կոնտակտային հետքերով հարցազրույցը։ Ինչպես գիտեք, կոնտակտային հետքերը այն գործիքներն Եվ մենք շարունակում են կոնտակտային հետագիցը նույնիսկ ամարվանդացքում, երբ տեպքերի թիվը աճել է։ Այս ժամանակիցի վեր մենք ավելի կան մեկուսացման և կարանտինային հրամարներ ենք տվել վիրուսով վարակված կամ Իսկ 51,419-ը կարանտինային հրամաններ էին, վարակված մարդկանց կոնտակները դանդաղեցնելու համար։ Վերջապես ես գծանկանային մի փոքր խոսել վտանգավոր գործողությունների մասին, հատկապես հավակույթների մասին։ Ողջ որոնց արդյունքում մասնակիցը անգիտակցաբար վարակում է մյուս ներկաներին։ Այս հավակույթները մանավանդ այն դեպքերում, երբ դրանք պակ տարացկում են կայանում, հսկայական ներուժ ունեն շատ մարդկանց վարակելու համար։ Մեն գիտենք, 
որ մարդը կարող է դրական լինի կովիդ 19-ի համար եւ ի վիճակի լինի վիրուսը փոխանցել ուրիշներին առանց որևէ ախտանիշ ունենալու կամ իմանալու որ վարակված է Եթե այս մարդը հաճախում է հավաքույթ հատկապես փակ տարածքում որտեղ նրանք շփվում են ուտում խմում եւ հնարավոր է ճունեն կտորե դիմակ կամ 6 ոտք հրավորություն չեն պահպանում ապա նրանք հեշտությամբ կարող են վարակել շատ այլ մարդկանց ովքեր նույն են անում Այստեղ շատ օրինակներ կան Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում հավաքույթների երեկույթների եւ ծառայությունների ամբողջ երկրում ինչը հանգեցնում է COVID-19-ի բռնակմանը մենք տեսել ենք բռնակումներ քոլեջի ճամբարներում ռեստորաններում բողոքի ցույցերում եկեղեցիներում եւ տներում ողբերկական արդյունքներով ծանր հիվանդությամբ տարապող անհատները ցավոք մահանում են մենք բոլորս ուզում ենք լինել ուրիշների կողքին բնական է ցանկանալը այդ կապը բայց այս ոչ էական գործողությունները իրենց հետ կրում են մեծ վտանգ իսկ հաճախ հանգեցնում են վիրուսի տարածումը սոցիալական հավաքույթներից տանը գտնվող ընտանիքների անդամներից եւ այլ բազմաթիվ աշխատողներից որտեղ կարող են գտնվել վարակված անձինք խնդրում ենք հիշեք թե ինչ է ինչն է վտանգի ընդհարկվում եթե մտածում եք հավաքույթ կազմակերպել կամ մասնակցելու մասին վերականգնման ճանապարհին մեր այս պահին պարզապես չարժի վտանգի ընդհարկել մեր ընկերներին եւ մեր ընտանիքների առողջությունը կազմակերպությունների եւ կրոնական հաստատությունների համար մենք այստեղ ենք որպիսի օգնենք ձեզ գտնել ձեր ժողովների համար հնարավորինս անվտանգ ծառայություններ անցկացնելու եղանակներ գուցե դուք լսել եք մի շարք իրավական հարցերի մասին, որոնք կապված են Սամվալի եկեղեցու հետ, որը չի համապատասխանել առողջապահության պատասխանատուի կարգադրություններին։ Ես չեմ կարող մեկնաբանել դատական գործի առանձնահատկությունները։ Այնուամենայնիվ, փակ երկրպագության ծառայության անցկացումը կարող է վտանգավոր պայմաններ ստեղծել վիրուսի փոխանցման համար։ Մենք շարունակում ենք ձեռք մկնել բոլոր հավատքի կազմակերպություններին եւ ամեն ինչ անել, որպեսի օգնենք նրանց գտնել դրսում երկրպագելու անվտանգ եղանակներ։ Շատ երկրպագուներ արդեն անում են դա, եւ մենք շնորհակալություն ենք հայտնում ձեր բոլոր ճանկերի համար։ Այն հիանալի ցուցանիշ է մեր համայքի համար։ Առողջապահության նախարարի պատվերների միակ նպատակը մեր բոլոր բնակիչների առողջության պաշտպանությունն է։ Մեր թիմը պատրաստակամ է առաջնորդություն առաջարկելու Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի բոլոր հաստատություններին, ներառյալ հավատքի վրա հիմնված կազմակերպություններին, օգնելու նրանց բնակիչներին, աշխատակիցներին եւ այցելուներին։ Վերջում ես կրկին ուզում եմ շնորհակալություն հայտնել բոլորիդ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում, ովքեր օգտագործում են այն գործիքները, որոնք դանդաղեցնում են COVID-19-ի տարածումը։ Կտորի դիմակ հակնելը, որը քիթը եւ բերանը ծածկում, հավաքույթներից խուսափելը, ֆիզիկական հերավորություն պահպանելը եւ հաճախ ձեռքերը լվանելը այնպիսի գործողություններ են, որոնք ապացուցում են որ օգնում են դանդաղեցնել տարածումը եւ մենք բոլորս պետք է անենք դրանք։ Տվյալները հուշում են, որ մենք գնում ենք ճիշտ ուղղությամբ։ 
վիրուսի փոխանցումը նվազեցնելու համար եւ դա վկայություն է բոլոր այն բնակիչների եւ բիզնեսների համար, ովքեր հասկանում են իրենց դերը, նվազեցնելով դեպքերի, հիվանդությունների եւ մահերի քանակը։ Շնորհակալություն։ Thank you. This concludes the press conference. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast. <laughs>